This is two pods. And a microphone. And Lily. That's right. Today we have a guest appearance by our 10-year-old daughter, who's also in the same fantasy football league as us. And she's ahead of me. She's got a victory. I have none. Boom shakalaka look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think we have to get this out of the way maybe first and foremost. Yeah. Um, the bad news, Lily, is remember when we decided to pick up a defense because we need one because yours was on bye this week? Yeah. And we decided to pick up the Washington Redskins. Let me guess. They lost by like 50 points. No. But I have to admit something to you. What? My tight end that I just picked up, Larry Donald. Don't tell Crushed your team. Three touchdowns as a tight end. What kind of pickup was that? Dad! The kind of pickup that crushed your daughter's spirit. Although she still got a chance. She'll get the whole rest of the game. So I'm sorry. <sighs> but I, I wanted to let you know. Who should you trust? That means I have negative one points for I my defense. I would trust your mother. Yeah, you have, you have, you have negative points. You're, you're negative one in. But man, how about my Larry Donald, Lily? How awesome is that? Three touchdowns, a tight end? That's amazing. Drop him, he's mine. <laughs> <laughs> so we got that out of the way. So now it's week four. Now, Lily, do you know what a bye week means? No. No, bye week means every uh, once in a while a bunch of teams are off. They have a bye week, which means if your team is off and not playing, you either need to substitute one of your bench players in or pick up somebody else. Your defense, the Arizona Cardinals, were on a bye week. That's why, unfortunately, you picked up the Washington Redskins and Mommy crushed you. Don't try and put it on me. I, Lily, did I tell you to pick up that defense? Arizona was amazing. Did I have to do that? Well, well they weren't playing. So you would have got zero week. points instead of negative. So, yeah, that, that may have been, been better. better. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lily. Do you see my point here? <laughs> yeah, you were right. That's a numbers game. You're yes. right. Thank you. Thank you. So, if... If you have been sleeping under a rock and you are playing fantasy football and you have no clue that it was a bye week this week, it's still not too late for you. I mean, I know somebody who had a defense that they would have been better playing them. <laughs> anyway, the bye week teams this week are the Arizona Cardinals, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cleveland Browns, the Denver Broncos, the St. Louis Rams, and the Seattle Seahawks. So if you have... Any players on these teams, what do you need to do, Tim? Don't call Tim the substitute because it didn't work out good. That's what you need to <laughs> Don't do. Don't ask this podiatrist for a guru uh, who you should pick advice. Half of my players are on those teams. Did you did you fix your lineup? No. We'll do it after we'll the podcast. It, okay. After uh, you know, I did a little podcast um, about just some of the challenges for bye weeks. And you know what I read, Tim? What did you read? I read that weeks 4, 9, and 10 are going to be the worst bye week weeks. Most teams off. Because that's the most teams off during those weeks. So, Lily, I'll help you out. No, you won't. I'll help you pick up. Awesome. I think you're going to give me, you are going to give me a defense, then you're going to pick like, you're going to pick up a player and crush you. You're, you're right. You're going to bribe somebody to give you Peyton Manning on my defense. It's like terrible. And then you're going to crush me. Listen, I don't like that you're um, accusing your parents of collusion. That's not nice. We love you. Anyway, Even if it's accurate. <laughs> so anyway, those weeks, those will be the challenge. I'm new to fantasy football. Lily's new to fantasy football. So those will be the challenging weeks for us. But that's about it for as far as bye weeks is concerned Should for me. Should we jump into injuries for us? I say people? we jump. Yeah, let's jump into some injuries. You know, as two pods and a microphone, we're foot doctors. So we don't treat above the knee. 
we might do a podcast or something about the ACL or PCL kind of tears eventually here and there, but we really like to stick to what we're best at, which is injuries of the foot, ankle, you know, the high ankle sprains, the fractures, the stress fractures, the plantar fasciitis, you name it. That's what we want to give you because that's what we're the best at really telling people about, right? I, I would agree. Okay. So who do you have on your injury list for foot and ankle stuff this week? First coming off the injury list is Jamal Charles. He had a high ankle sprain two weeks ago. Uh, he didn't play last week, but he's expected to go. He did everything this uh, this whole week. He's, he's back going. So he must have been either a minor high ankle sprain or he's one tough uh, tough guy. Would you play him? I would definitely play him. Lily, would you play him? Who? Jamal, Jamal Charles. Charles. Yep. Good All right. choice. I, I'm going to make a prediction that he plays, he starts, he doesn't do well, and he comes out. Sorry, Jamal Charles. I bet it's not over yet for him. I'm just saying. Sanders' chance. Yes. And then I have the Kansas City running back, Joe McKnight, who ruptures his Achilles tendon. I guess he's not a first-string running back. Yeah, he'd be third behind Jamal Charles. And but he's gotten some Davis. playing time. Correct. Oh, so maybe that might be a reason why Jamal Charles has to play. I don't uh, know. I'm thinking of again, Niles Davis. He played last week. He's pretty good, too. But well, he's, obviously, he's no if, if, yeah. So if you picked up Joe McKnight, you should not play him because that's Achilles tendon rupture. You can see our po- our uh, blog at centeranklefootcare.com. We talked all about Achilles tendon injuries. Achilles tendon rupture is a deal breaker, season ending. Yeah, he'll be like if he comes back next year. Who do you have next? I have Andre Johnson, wide receiver for Houston, Texas. Probable. He had an ankle injury from before, but he's, he's good to go. I have Brandon Marshall. He didn't practice on Friday. He's still questionable, I think, for Sunday against the Packers. So I wouldn't play him. I would go and play him. Brandon Marshall's a touchdown machine. He'll he'll limp out there in the red zone. He'll pick up three touchdowns, and you don't think he's even going to play. I I disagree, but that's I'm I'm new at this, so <laughs> I still disagree. He's probably going to get a touchdown. Oh, so you so you would play Brandon Marshall? Yep. All right. I don't have him. <laughs> <laughs> I also have the Atlanta Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Harry Douglas with a foot injury. We talked about this a couple podcasts um, here and there. I don't know how... Did he play last week? Uh, no, he didn't play last week. He's, well, he actually did play last week, but he came out early. This unknown foot injury, undiagnosed, not exactly sure what it is. I wouldn't play him. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait for him to come back and do something. He's at, questionable, came out of the game, and uh, I would definitely... I would hold him this week and see what happens. You know, I have to tell you, I did not see a ton of... Uh, and, and it's good... Thank God, all of us that have fantasy football players, we don't want to see them have any injuries. And foot and ankle injuries really are sometimes ones that have them out a little bit longer. I didn't see a ton of injuries. Do you have anybody else? No, I got two more big-name people. Got Vernon Davis, who was on crutches two weeks ago. Apparently, he's game-time decision. In a nutshell, I would hold a bag. Any game-time decision, I'm not going to play, especially for a tight end. And last but not least, I have Calvin Johnson. He's questionable as an ankle. So, you know, he's one of the elite wide receivers. So tune in around sometime between Eastern time, 1230 and 1 o'clock. Because if he's playing, you're going to throw him in there. Because he's, he's Can always you just add him? Well, no. You have to keep a spot. He's negative. on How his team. Work? I would keep him on my team. Wait till half hour before the game. If you don't know, then switch him out. He's always on the injury list, and he always gets touchdowns. He is the man. So I'll wait and see what happens, but he's not available anyway. Well, what I like to do, 
is I like to each week, it seems like each week I like to give football players injuries because I did I did a uh, blog about turf toe and then the next week, AJ Green, baby. AJ Green, who's <laughs> one of my players, turf toe. And then I did the Achilles tendon. People are dropping like flies. So what disease are you giving the future football players this week at Dr. Well, Rowan? It's not even fair because this is a really common one I think we see in um, the NFL, which is plantar fasciitis. Cool. So what I did was I kind of did a little blog about will plantar fasciitis stop your fantasy football player? In your opinion, if you just heard, this guy has plantar fasciitis. Play him or not. Are we talking to Dr. Henny? Talking to Dr. Yeah, Henny. I'm playing him unless it's ruptured. Oh, yeah, right? It so, sounds bad, but eh, they can get through it. I know that in the past, and I think we we made a little list of some of the big name people with plantar fasciitis, not, not so far off in the past. Yeah, some of the people in the past few years we've had it are Eli Manning, Antonio Gates, Marquez Colston, Mario Williams, and even last year, Jimmy Grant, who uh, potentially had a rupture. Every week he was questionable, doubtful, maybe he was going to play, and then uh, he he came up big every week. So it's, a, it's definitely something you can limp through the season with, pun intended. Yeah, I mean, I bet there's people out there. Plantar fasciitis is just so common anyway in our population. Some people get it because they have a really tight calf muscle. It's just kind of the way we're built. So we see tons of people in our in our practice. I would say on a daily basis, I probably see 15 people with plantar fasciitis. Whether it's new patients, follow-ups, what have you. You too? Yeah, I'd say it's probably the second most uh, common thing I see in the office other than diabetic issues. Yeah, and I mean, when I see somebody with plantar fasciitis for the first, second, or even third time, I have the same spiel. And the reason I have the same spiel is because I know if they're not even mildly improved in two to three weeks, they didn't do anything I said. That's exactly the problem. Because it is pretty easy to get rid of, even though it hurts like holy heck, right? The biggest problem with plantar fasciitis is it's up to the patient to get better. It really is. I mean, I tell people, you have to go, and we live in Florida, so some of these things are a pretty tough sell. I tell people, number one, you can't go barefoot for the next six to eight weeks. Do you tell people that? You should. I only do that if they complain, <laughs> oh, my feet hurt when I go barefoot. I'm like, well, then don't go barefoot. But I don't tell them what to do. I do. I tell them that I think they need support on their feet so that fascia isn't having to step down, get ground reactive force, causing it to strain a little bit more when it's already hurting. The number two thing I tell them is they have to do nice, static calf stretches if you have no idea what a static calf stretch is go on pinterest on we have center franco and foot care has a pinterest page and i have one that's called heel pain helpers if you click on that you see all our heel pain stretches how much stretching do you tell your patients they need to do to get rid of this oh i lie i tell them they have to do five to six times a day only so i hope that they at least do once or twice a day are we talking 10 seconds five to six times i a day? say um, each static stretch for the calf muscle should be 15 to 20 seconds, three times on each leg, three to four times a day. You're much nicer than me. I tell my patients they have to do an hour a day per side. Wow. Whether it's 15 minutes, four times a day, or divide up any way you want. An hour a day per side. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, I know. Okay. But for the same reason, I'm hoping they get a half an hour. I tell everybody, I don't care if you think it sounds stupid. I say get a 20-ounce bottle of water and freeze it. Take it out of the freezer, put it down on the ground, and either barefoot or with a little thin sock on, roll it underneath your foot, back and forth, from your heel all the way back to where, almost where your toes bend. And just keep doing that for a good, I say, eight to ten minutes, two to three times a day. Again, hoping they do it at least once. I guess one of the things uh, you mentioned earlier, but we forgot to mention, is typically before I do tell anyone to do any stretching or icing or something like that, I make sure they're on some kind of medications. I give them some oral steroid or an anti-inflammatory. 
So I found if you just tell people to stretch and ice, it hurts really bad and they don't do them. So I give people medications not so much to make it better, because stretching makes it better, the pills don't. But if you don't take something, very commonly it hurts so bad to stretch, they don't even do it anyway. Oh yeah, if my patient isn't on like 10 blood pressure medications and they're able, no drug interactions, to take a steroid by mouth or a non steroidal anti-inflammatory, I always put them on yeah, it. So I think it's a good idea. If this is really bothering you and stretching, I think it's help. But make sure you go see your doctor. Uh, make sure you can get this taken care of before you do it. Because sometimes stretching can really bother you if you're not on something when you first start. And I tell people, look at your shoes. And even though these guys are, and see, this is where I guess you and I differ. Because even though these guys are world-class athletes, I think them, if they live like in Florida where we live, we have all this hard tile throughout our houses and hardwood floor and just kind of pounding on it after you're pounding it on the field, sprinting. Just that extra support can be very comforting and I think good for the foot, you know, even just around the house. But look at your sneakers too. I mean, if you're walking the dog in a really crappy pair of shoes. Sorry, Lily. Mm-hmm. Not that you have crappy shoes, but I said bad word. I think you walk your dog. Anyway, <laughs> but if you have a pair of really bad shoes and you're walking around, and not enough support, that's no good for you. So I, I say, check your sneakers, check your shoes, and um, if if you have good shoes but just not enough support, get a good arch support. No, I'm not sure where you said we differ because I completely agree. Um, we I, differ on the, I say, no barefoot six to eight weeks. Well, I, I, mean, I thought you meant like, you know, We, we don't differ on stuff. anything else, but, <laughs> but even around the house I tell people, have something on your feet. I tell them if it hurts, it does. But no, I think the most important part is what people don't realize is it hurts if even for these guys, you know, the worst case scenario, they're practicing six, eight hours a day. They're still the rest of the day they're running around. They still need a good sneaker and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. can't be You can't be sprinting, you know, four-second, 50-yard dashes. Is that what they do? Four-four? Four-one. is pretty quick. I, I don't know. Four-one's pretty good. Forty. Lily could do they that. They do the 40. Right, Lils? <laughs> My point is, very commonly, people real they're like all worried about the sport they play, and they forget the other ninety percent of the time you still have to have a good shoe on when you're running around doing this stuff. Like I see a lot of people who are playing sports. Oh, my heel hurts, and well, that's great one hurts at sports, but remember, take care of your foot the rest of the time as well. Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's such a a, a good message there for sure. People always think they're going to have to have surgery. People always think they're going to have to have shots. Because everybody knows somebody who's had plantar yeah, so fasciitis. So typically when a patient comes into you, Dr. Mark, Dr. McGowan, first thing you tell them is you need a bunch of shots and we're going to operate on you next week, right? That's your typical spiel? Oh, yeah, definitely. No, I, I tell people 99.9999999% of the time, this is a conservative problem. And that point zero 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 one percent I'm still going to try not to do surgery on you. All right, so let me ask you just off the cuff. Okay. How many patients a day do you think you see for plantar fasciitis? Every day. I already said that. I said about 15 at least. And how many of these people do you operate on a year, do you think? Like almost none. Is that a number? Almost none? I need you to give me a number. On average, how many do you, How many surgeries like this do you do a year? Like four. Why? Because conservative care works. But you know what the problem is, is that people cannot believe. Because plantar fasciitis, I've had it. You've had it before, right? Yeah, I've had a couple shots for this. It is excruciatingly painful. So when you walk into a doctor's office and they say, oh, look, I'm going to give you some stretching exercises and some icing and some anti-inflammatory. You're going to be better in two to six weeks. You think, 
this guy's a lunatic. I'm going to the next person. And it's 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 hard to believe that, but it really does work. Stretching, icing, it's support. Yeah, no think, barefoot, six to eight weeks. <laughs> I think the most important part I've, I explain to patients is when they come in, uh, if you just take some stretching, icing, take it easy, wear some good shoes, you'll be better in two to three months. If we operate on you, we cut your ligament, you hobble around in the boot, and it takes you two to three months to get better. But people don't understand is no matter what you do, it's going to take two to three months. And I think the biggest way to talk people out of surgery is no matter what, it takes two to three months. So uh, if you're in a hurry to get rid of this problem, you're in the wrong world. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree with that for sure. It's it's one of those things where it's it's easy to get rid of. You just got to put the time in and effort. Um, I have nothing else. Do you have something, Lily? Yeah, I have a question. Yes. Yes. What's plantar fasciitis? That is a wonderful question. That's a great question. question. Well, the plantar fascia, I'm going to show you a picture, Lily, because... No, no! No, it's not like one of those gross pictures. You mean the ones that Abby has on her iPad? No, Abby has gross pictures on her iPad? Yeah. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) Talk about that later. All right, so there's a tight band on the bottom of your heel, and it attaches your heel bone to right before your toes bend. What happens when you go to bed at night? Let me see your foot. Pick up your foot. Ow. When you go to bed at night? <laughs> hey, tickles. Your foot does... Rest your foot. Just rest. Just rest. See how your foot goes down? Mm-hmm. What happens when your foot goes down, the distance from your heels to where your toes bend gets shorter, and you sleep like that all night? Well, you're a young kid, so you're going to wake up and be fine. But old people like mommy and That's daddy, we get out of bed. If we don't kind of stretch a little bit first, our foot goes from contracted to... Ugh, all the way down, and the fascia sometimes tears on some people. And, and usually it is, I think. There's some debate, I guess, throughout our profession that it's not more linked to the heel. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, not more linked to the calf muscle. I've sat through lectures about that. Oh, yeah. But I, it's so linked to the calf muscle. It's, not, it's all biomechanical. Anyway, did that answer your question? Way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dr. McGowan. And I'm Dr. Henny. And I'm Lily. And we are two pods. And a microphone. And Lily. Thank you for listening. Good luck to all the fantasy football players out there. And good luck to all your teams. And Lily. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That was awesome. <laughs>